Hello, and welcome back to Climbing the Castle, your definitive Disney ranking podcast. I'm Dominic. And I'm Charlie. And today we're going to be discussing The Little Mermaid. As usual, we're going to give you one last warning to check out the movie before we talk about it. I don't know how many people haven't seen this movie. I feel like most people should have already seen this movie, but I'm sure there's there might be a couple of you that slipped past and if you want to watch it, like if you wanted to have seen it already, you would have done so. So like this is your last chance. Based off the fairy tale from 1837 by Hans Christian Andersen, The Little Mermaid tells the story of Ariel, a fun-loving and mischievous mermaid who is fascinated by all things human. When Ariel disobeys her father's orders to stay away from the world above, she encounters a hurricane and rescues Prince Eric from a shipwreck. Determined to be a human, Ariel makes a deal with the devilish sea witch Ursula and trades her fins and voice for legs. Aided by a friend Flounder and Sebastian, a crab sent by her father to watch after her, Ariel must win the love of Prince Eric and save her father's kingdom. This movie is still just as amazing as it always has been, but I don't know, it just feels like it didn't live up to the hype we were giving it. Yeah, like, don't get us wrong. This is still an amazing movie. We still loved it. Yes. But having to watch it critically, there wasn't much there for us to go off of. It it doesn't hold up as a masterpiece of a film. Like, it is still a great film, and it's very enjoyable, but it's not... It just doesn't have everything that we need for it to be considered, like, a standout, amazing, incredible film like we we always kind of thought it was. Yeah, it's almost a letdown watching it critically. Mm, I don't know if I would say I was let down. But well, I mean, considering how hyped we were about it. I mean, it's still, I, I wouldn't even say that it's bad, though. Like, it's not like well, it's, no, we're I'm saying that saying it's a bad movie. I'm not saying it's bad. Come on. Like, if, saying... if we would have given it terrible scores and rated it poorly, then I think I could say that. But the fact that it's still... I up, never... Okay, you're putting words in my mouth. I did not say it was terrible. I didn't say you were saying but, it was terrible. <laughs> I'm just saying that we were expecting a lie. this to be our highest movie, honestly. Mm, I don't think I would ever have claimed it to be my well, highest. Well, I was expecting it to be our highest movie <laughs> so far, and then it's just... We'll get to that in the scores. But, I mean, still a great movie, and still yeah. a lot of fun. With that, let us get into our fun facts. There's quite a few of them here, so just bear with me. In the opening scene, when King Triton arrives, Mickey, Goofy, Donald, and Kermit the Frog can be briefly be seen in the crowd of people as the merman pe- when he passes them over. Okay, I saw Mickey, Go- Goofy, and Donald. They are definitely in there. I did not see Kermit the Frog at all. I I seen a screen grab of it. I didn't notice any of them when I was watching it to begin with at all. But I saw screen grabs, and I saw when you were pointing them out to me with Mickey, Goofy, and Donald. But Kermit is definitely in there. I did see the picture of it, and it is very strange. So is he sitting with them? No, he's in a different section. Oh, because I was looking with them, so maybe I just missed it. He's in a different area, and it was just honestly put in there as a joke. Like, just as a funny bit that they wanted to throw in there. 
It's like it doesn't really make sense as to why they would put Kermit the Frog in the Little Mermaid. But well, I mean, aquatic. I guess he's aquatic. Yes, but <laughs> I mean, a mouse shouldn't be swimming underwater, and Goofy and Donald. A mermouse. <laughs> mermouse. <laughs> It's still just an interesting little Easter egg. They had no bearing in the film itself. Yeah. It just no. a fun little thing that they put in there. The next fun fact that I have here, this film was the most effects heavy, the most effects animation heavy Disney animated feature since Fantasia. Even with much of the rain effects being lifted from Pinocchio, the two minute storm sequence alone took 10 special effects animators over a year to finish. Also, Animator, animation super, supervisor Mark Dindle estimated that over a million bubbles were drawn for this film by hand. This process was actually outsourced to China because it was too much work. Yeah. I noticed that when, when I was watching the movie again, you see all the bubbles. There's a lot of bubbles. Any kind of mm-hmm. movement on the screen, you see bubbles. And it's just yeah. crazy to think that all of that was just hand drawn into it. And, Which, of course, that was going to take a long time to do. Yeah. But, I mean, still, over a year to finish one two-minute scene is also insane. That's just crazy to think that something so small can take so long to, to do. Mm-hmm. Another fun fact here. The dress Ariel wears during her dinner with Eric is actually a combination of different dresses worn by every Disney princess prior to her. So... The puffy sleeves with the diamond designs are similar to the sleeves of Snow White's iconic dress. The light pink color comes from Cinderella's mother's dress, the one that the stepsisters rip apart. The full skirt and draping are from Cinderella's famous ball gown. And finally, the -the off-the-shoulder neckline and long pointed sleeves are inspired by Princess Aurora's royal ball gown. Which, this isn't something that I noticed at all the first time and then when you go back and like you think about it like oh yeah you can totally see it all another fun fact here ariel is the first disney princess to have a bio have biological siblings yeah she has the is it four or five sisters five or six yeah and also in greek mythology triton is the son of poseidon uh, Poseidon is the brother of Zeus. Zeus has a son named Hercules, who is the main character in Hercules coming up soon. This makes Hercules and Ariel first cousins. No. Hold on. Poseidon's the son of Zeus. Yes. Yeah, never mind. And Zeus is Poseidon's brother. Yeah. So Hercules is Ariel's cousin. Well, yeah. King Triton is Hercules' cousin. No. King Triton is Hercules' the son of uncle. Zeus. Son of, no. King Triton is the son of Poseidon. Poseidon yes. is brother of Zeus. Zeus's son is Hercules. Hercules and King Triton are cousins. First cousins. No. It's a Hercules is the son of Zeus. And Zeus... Okay, so your mom's brother... Yeah. Has a son. What that, that son? That would be my you? cousin. That would be your cousin. Yeah. So Poseidon's son and Zeus's son would be cousins. I don't know. King Triton is Hercules' cousin. 
Why do family trees have to be such a mess? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. According to this, it says they're first cousins. Well, it says first cousins once removed, which is also where family trees get weird and confusing. Yeah. Uh, they're related. <laughs> That's all that matters. Yeah. Zeus and Hercules and Ariel are all related somehow. When this film earned four Golden Globe nominations in 1990, it not only became the first full-length animated feature to be nominated for Golden Globe Best Motion Picture for Musical or Comedy, but it was the first animated feature for Best Picture in general. It didn't win, unfortunately, but Beauty and the Beast would become the first one to take that honor in features coming, but it's still pretty crazy that it's the first animated feature to be nominated for the best picture. I mean, it was a really good movie. Yeah, definitely, I agree. Uh, two small ones here now. Jim Carrey actually auditioned for the role of Prince Eric, which I do not see how that would have worked. I don't understand. <laughs> it's, it's just a strange yeah, no. thing to me. And also... Due to scheduling conflicts with Star Trek The Next Generations, Patrick Stewart turned down the role of King Triton. Role number two. Yeah, we saw him having scheduling conflicts last time with Oliver and Company. Here he is back again. Can't make it because of Star Trek. Uh, that is all the, conspir- that, all the conspiracies, all of the fun facts that I have for now. I have a couple more later on when we get into atmosphere. We'll deal with that later. I do have a minor conspiracy. It's not really confirmed. It's not denied. There's not a lot of information on it. So I'm just going to give it like a glancing thought. But people are saying that it's possible that Prince Eric could be related to Prince Philip and Princess Aurora from Sleeping Beauty. Uh, In the dining room in Eric's castle, when they're eating, there's a painting hanging hanging on the wall. And the couple supposedly resemble Aurora and Prince Philip. Like, resemble, it's not actually them? Yes, resemble. Because the picture, what it is, the picture is at like a weird, a really weird angle. So it's kind of hard to see the actual contents of the picture. So people are just going based off of this little like painting that you can barely see completely. I don't know if I buy it. I didn't necessarily look at it. I mean, like I the, should have, but the location it kind of lines up. So it would make sense location wise that they would probably be in the same area. Mm-hmm. It's also a matter of, I think it was like 300 years difference or something they were saying between the times. But I don't know. There's not a lot to go by. I still think it's kind of fun and it's a little bit different. And we haven't really had a conspiracy in a while, so I really want to throw something yeah, in there. That's fair. <laughs> Not many movies will have a conspiracy, at least no. in the early years. We do have a few good ones coming up, I think. But mm-hmm. this is just to hold us over for now. With that, I guess let's jump right into our scores. What do you have for your score? Story score. Uh, for my story, I have an 80. I have an 82 for my scores here. Yeah, not 
too much happens. I mean, stuff happens, but yeah, it's not an eventful, impactful story that we've seen in some of the previous movies. Not until basically the end. Yeah, it's also I had some issues with just some of the some of how it went down. It's like I don't know. Some of it just seemed a bit far fetched and mm-hmm. strange, especially towards the ending, with like. Prince Eric not questioning anything that was happening at all during the whole ending sequence of the movie. Yeah, just oh, mermaids like, are real. Oh, you're a mermaid. He he spends two days with Ariel and gets to know her and finds out like about her, and then he's willing to just forget about her immediately and marry Ursula within like minutes of meeting her, just because she has the same voice that he heard when he was passed out. Mm-hmm. And then two seconds later, Ariel gets her voice back and he just doesn't question the fact of anything of it, of her getting her voice back and it being the right person. Yeah. And then another two seconds later, he's getting married to her and doesn't question that her father is a god and king of the sea. And she's got mermaid sisters just hanging out there with her. He's probably thinking, oh, so you are a princess. This works. Yay. (laughs) I mean, he doesn't have to marry a princess, though. So it's not like they needed true. They needed another princess to like expand their kingdom or anything. He just needed to get married. Well, now he has good connections with the sea. Just saying. I mean, yes, he could. He technically could, like, expand. They could definitely like expand the the water kingdoms and their kingdoms now that they like connected through marriage as well. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It just seemed kind of strange that Eric just kind of went along with every single thing that happened and didn't question anything. Yeah, just kind of, oh, okay, this is all normal. It's normal for me to marry a fish woman. <laughs> I think half of the story could have just kind of been blamed on like teenage hormones and puberty here mm, yeah. because it's just Ariel falling in love with the first boy that she sees and then acting out against her father because he's telling her what to do. And then she just doesn't want to listen to him. So she runs off and it's just kind of like poor setup. Yeah, like there's a lot that could have been changed or even cut out. Like the whole, she didn't even ask. Well, I was going to say she didn't even ask her father to do it because apparently he had the power to change to give her legs this whole time. But at the same time, you know, he was trying to keep her from being in, on the surface. Yeah, he definitely would not have agreed with that yeah. if he requested it. But... but still, going all the way to Ursula, who's apparently who's apparently kicked out of the castle and out of the kingdom. Yeah. Apparently, from what I was reading, there was a deleted scene which explains that Ursula is uh king trident sister and there was like a falling out because she was trying to take over the kingdom or something like that yeah but it was all in deleted scenes so they didn't actually explain it in the movie so they're they're siblings yes i believe that's what it said so his sibling is an octopus yes man families are weird she's not also an octopus she's not an octopus see because she has only six tentacles and two hmm. arms. Yeah, so that makes eight. No, because it would be eight tentacles feet octopus. She's actually 
it's funny because I kept reading this and all the fun facts, and I was like, eh, I'm not going to bother putting it in. There is a name for the creature that she is, and I didn't take it down now, and I regret not taking it down. But there is like a name for the type of creature that she actually is. I mean, it you is... can think of her arms as tentacles. Um, Just, I don't know. <laughs> they're not tentacles, they're regular <laughs> arms. <laughs> but yeah, so apparently she was part of the royal family and then she was disowned or she left or there was a falling out, which wasn't actually explained in the movie. It was in deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. I think she said she was kicked out of the castle to waste away and starve. Yes. Zeus did have quite a nasty temper with Ariel, though, and I feel you like that could have... Uh, King Triton? Yes, King Triton. I have it written. I don't know why I have it written my... in Zeus. <laughs> King Triton. <laughs> Definitely had like a nasty temper with Ariel, and like I feel like half of this stuff could have been avoided if he would have just been a little bit nicer with Ariel as well. Yeah, like explain why it's forbidden to go up to the surface. Like, yeah. what did humans do to the mer people? Like, obviously, something happened between them, yeah, but they didn't explain it. Like, and he had no issues, that, no, no, like made no efforts to explain that to Ariel. He was just yelling and screaming at her. And uh, yes, she is being a rebellious teenager and not, doesn't want to listen to anything he says. But like, I feel like he could have done a better job of explaining things to her instead of when she wouldn't be as rebellious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was something I was like not caring for necessarily. Like, she was one of those teenagers just, you just don't understand me yeah I mean that is a lot how a lot of 16 year old girls are though mm-hmm. so like it's definitely understandable that's like that that it would have happened like that though but it is also very interesting that she was willing to give up her entire family just for the guy that she barely even met yeah once she made that deal like she saw him once and went yeah I'm gonna marry this guy I'm in love with him Again, typical 16-year-old girl behavior. Mm-hmm. So, like, not not that debatable. I mean, same thing with Prince Eric, though. Prince Eric only met her and heard her voice for, like, five seconds, and was like, that's the girl I love. Yeah. So, it's just... It's like, yeah, love at first light. Oh, that's cute. But it's not really all that realistic. <laughs> That hurricane that came to destroy Prince Eric's boat also came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Just suddenly, boom, storm. Understandable, because the same thing happened to me last night when I was getting out of a show. I came out, and it was for completely nice out, and then like two seconds later, a giant thunderstorm came out of nowhere. Yeah. So I'm like, it does happen. It's just a bit strange that a whole, like, people out at sea managed to miss the whole hurricane. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's happened to me where I remember in middle school, I was playing around, there was recess, and then suddenly, bam, we get hit with water. So, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. But it's still like Disney does this a lot where it'll be nice and sunny outside, and then suddenly it is raining cats and dogs. Mm-hmm. 
Always at the most convenient moments. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm not really sure how the anatomy, uh, is it anatomy, autonomy? What are those words? Anatomy or the, of mermaids, how they work, because she seemed to be on that shore for quite a while when she was like laying there with Prince Eric, Ariel. Yeah, I mean, they can, they obviously breathe water. Can they also breathe air or like? I mean, well, she, it's understandable when she sticks her head out of water because she has a mouth so she can breathe. Mm-hmm. But she also has fins. So, like, I would assume she has to be in water for a certain amount of time. Uh, again, I'm not sure how their bodies work, but it did just seem like she was laying on that shore for quite a while, and it's not normal for mermaids to do that. Yeah. I mean, that also explains the whole, like, like she can't go up above, like, the shore and stuff because of her being a mermaid. I guess. Oh no, I don't know how mermaids work. I guess they can breathe air and all that, <laughs> but I have no idea. Yeah, she also learned how to drive a horse carriage pretty well for someone that can barely walk. Yeah, and she picked up on walking decently fast. Well, she stum- she stumbled for a bit. She stumbled, she over. but she eventually was able to run and jump and all that very fast. Well, she was also being helped by. Prince Eric the first time because she makes her way to that log or whatever she was sitting on. I think it was a boulder. And she's just like sitting up there. And then Prince Eric comes in and he kind of carries her back to the castle. I mean, even still, she was running around after that. Right yeah, after that. Dancing the next day. Mm-hmm. And she was a pretty good, decent dancer, too. It's not like she was stumbling around when she was dancing. Yeah. So it's like, oh, no. She she just was able to do all that stuff way too fast after just getting feet for the first time in her life. <laughs> one one last note that I have here that I didn't understand in the movie is how that chef destroyed the entire kitchen except for the food that was being prepared and sent out to the... I think he was more focused on the food since it was being served to them. I don't know. That whole kitchen was like completely torn up and it was destroyed. A complete and... wreck. But the the three plates just still managed to make it out unscathed. Although it looked like Ariel didn't have anything on her plate, mm-hmm. and Sebastian and crawled off of the Sebastian other guy's plate. Crawled off the other guy's plate and ran onto her plate, which looked empty. Yeah, so he forgot two people's crabs there when he really should have had an extra crab to begin with, because Sebastian was an extra crab. Yeah, he had three crabs. <laughs> So he just seems like a pretty incompetent chef. Although I'm not going to lie, that food did look pretty good. Oh, it looked that stuff so that good. He was cooking. I was hungry for red lobster. <laughs> uh, I guess one always one of my favorite parts of uh, the movies, one of my favorite yes. scenes, is always that like final fight with the uh, main villain. Uh, yes. And this was a good one. It was good. We got Mega Ursula when she turned into a giant. For you Pokemon fans, Ursula Dynamaxed. <laughs> she did. <laughs> uh, she wasn't defeated very well. She was had a ship drive straight yeah, through her. She had a ship like impale her. Yeah. 
So it was a pretty nasty death. And then she got shocked by lightning as well. She became time. one of those calamari rings. <laughs> uh, her pets got completely obliterated too. Oh yeah, because she was aiming for uh, Eric. Eric. I don't know why my, the name slipped me, but yeah, she was <laughs> aiming for Eric. And then Ariel like pulls her back and she zaps her uh, her uh, heels instead. Yeah, turn them into electric heels. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That is it, fantastic. It, it, hit, it hit me at the end of the movie when I was making my notes. I'm like, that's a good one. I got to take that one down. <laughs> that's a really good one. But that's what made her mad and go, decide to start growing using Zeus's powers, which get handed down by Trident. Yes. And then again, she put up a fight this time. It's not like it was one of those mm-hmm. half battles that we've seen so far yeah. where she just randomly gets struck by lightning. Oh, yeah, she's had a boat driven straight through her and impales her. Almost like Radigan where they actually fought. Yeah. And again, she had motive here as well. She mm. was part of the family. She got kicked out and she wanted to take back power again. It wasn't just jealousy or well, it kind of has was, to do with it. It was a bit of jealousy. jealousy. But there was a bit more to the motive here than Ariel is just... just the prettiest girl in the yeah. land, and I'm jealous of her. Oh, it's okay, Dom. You're still pretty, too. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yet again, Disney does an amazing job with their villain characters. Yeah. Which is why they tend to be some of the most iconic characters of Disney. Yeah. I mean, Ursa was definitely one of the standout characters here. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, I guess we can move over into our character discussion and get yeah. our character scores. Uh, I have a 77 for my characters here. I have a 78. Yeah, not the greatest characters that we've seen no, so a lot of them were boring they, like i know everyone loves flounder i see him as the sidekick that we always get you know nothing special yeah i mean that's how a lot of like most of the characters in this movie none of them really had a lot of dynamics to them they all flounder just... didn't really even help out all that much in the movie no he's just there it's like talking Add on, he doesn't really add much to the movie. He's just the best friend of Ariel. <laughs> but then you do have like these other great characters that really stand out. Like Ursula was an incredible villain here. Unbelievable villain. She did a great job of having you really dig into her her villainous ways, and you can see that she was really doing her best to, to take over this kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, then and then Sebastian was kind of the Jiminy Cricket of this movie. Yeah. Which also, I think this is the first time I'm ever realizing that he's just a conductor and he yeah. wasn't like he's one not, of Trident's bodyguards he, or like. Yeah, he's not this like high up power position. He's just a conductor. I've, I've never noticed that before until this first time watch like until this time watching the movie and i've seen this movie hundreds hundreds of times mm-hmm. but i don't know it's just i just it just never registered to me 
That, no, he's just a conductor that's trying to make that opening song. And then Ariel goes missing. But yet, it seems like King Trident still gives him that like high authority or power kind of feel. Yeah, definitely. He does hold him, his regard, more important than other people. Mm-hmm. Because he goes straight to him to find out information about Ariel, and he trusts him enough to to keep a watch over Ariel when she's when he sends her over there. Yeah. So it's like, is he really just the conductor, or maybe that's just an extra thing he does? I guess. I don't know. He's he claims that he wants to become the greatest conductor and make hits for everyone and be known. Mm-hmm. So that's his goals, but it seems like Trident has other goals for him as well. Yeah. Which Trident, he's a caring father, but the fact that he's always like just yelling and then instead of explaining. He's a bit too stern. If he, his intentions are well, Mm -hmm. but he just doesn't act about them the best way. Like I know my parents were strict whenever I was growing up, but they also kind of explained to me why certain things were the way they were. Yeah, and that's definitely the only thing that he needed to have done is just be a bit more open with Ariel instead of just lashing out against her every time that she tried to do something wrong. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help that Ariel's always trying to get into trouble and doing exactly what he wants to do. So you can understand that he gets frustrated with her as well. Well, it's not the reason she doesn't isn't because he doesn't want her to. It's because she's just genuinely interested. Exactly. She's a child. She's She loves to explore. She wants to know stuff about her. She's very interested in the human mm-hmm. stuff. But that's all catches up eventually, though, as well. And I'm sure Zeus... I don't know why I keep calling him Zeus. Triton is sick of having to deal with it all the time as well, though. Mm-hmm. So it does add up, and it gets to the point where he's just had enough and has to kind smash just... her statue of Prince Eric and destroy her all her dingle hoppers and who's it and what's it galore <laughs> and have... all of her thingamabobs, all twenty of them. <laughs> she did have quite a hefty collection in there. But who cares? Not him. <laughs> there was no big deal. Okay, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> save that for later. <laughs> um, Ariel, you know, growing up, I'll admit she was never one of my favorite princesses. Not yeah. a bad princess, but not one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, she's not the most drawn out character that we've seen. She's just your basic rebellious teenage. Yeah. And she's just looking to have fun and mess around and explore. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like character wise, she doesn't really have too much going for her. I mean, she's mute for half the movie. <laughs> that is true. Just like Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> and Snow White. And no. I think it is safe to say that we like Prince Eric is probably the most we've seen of a prince so far. That's true. We get quite a bit of personality from Prince Eric compared Which to all of our. I like because I like Prince Eric. He's my, I think he's my favorite Disney prince. Prince Eric is a very, very fun character. Mm-hmm. 
he he almost kind of reminds me of uh now i just lost his name i had this reference ready to go earlier and now it's lost from full house the uh the uncle what do you think talking about uh whoa mama yeah uh is that joey joey Joey? no that's not joey it's joey's like cut it out (laughs) no oh well it's (laughs) you all know who we're talking about yes that's kind of who he looks like a little bit and he a little bit yeah he is it's weird with prince eric because like he's I don't, we, we never get an actual age of him, I don't think. Yeah. They don't explain it. He seems somewhat mature in some spots, but also immature in other spots. Yeah, kind of childish, but I think it's more of like adventurous almost. Yeah. He has, it's funny, like the contrasting personalities between him and Ariel as well, though. Mm hmm. Because. Ariel is completely rebellious and just out there. And Prince Eric is just kind of just trying to make his find his own way in the world instead of mm-hmm. like doing it for the sake of being rebellious. Yeah. Another wonderful character in this movie was Scuttle, though. Yes. Scuttle was, was absolutely hilarious. As much um, as no one apparently liked his singing. <laughs> Uh, singing was pretty awful. No, he did great in Kiss a Girl. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was pretty bad, but he he knows a lot of non-useful information about humans that are all incorrect. Oh yeah, and like the whole fork thing. Now I always remember Ariel combing her hair with the fork. Yeah, did I don't remember seeing it this past time watching she it. did it at the at the dinner table at the dinner table that's right she's been sitting at the table and she gets all excited because she recognized it and thought it was the dingo hopper mm-hmm. and she starts brushing her hair with it and uh, i don't know here i was thinking that it was happening while she was singing part of your world or before it or something no she finds the fork right right before she sings mm-hmm. part, part of your world and that's what leads into her singing it so i keep thinking that oh she combed her hair while singing it no it was during dinner yes dinner with uh prince eric and his his bodyguard is that his bodyguard or his father i don't know what he's supposed to no he's not the father no the man that's always with him i forget i don't know what he's supposed to be technically to eric he seems like kind of like a caretaker type Almost, yeah, like when Eric's out on adventures and traveling, that's probably his, like, you know, assistant or personal advisor or something like that. He was also a pretty, pretty fun character. I mean, he Mm -hmm. didn't add too much, but he also wasn't just completely dull and bland like they could have done. Yeah. They actually did give him a little bit of personality. Which, uh, and then, it did seem like he was almost fatherly toward Eric at times in the way of like wanting to scold him and yeah, like help him understand things. Yeah. He just wanted to make sure Eric was doing the right thing. 
it seemed. And he's always there to give him the advice and try and steer him down the right path. But uh next character, Sebastian. Yes. Uh we... obviously like wonderful musician. I mean, we already did kind of discuss Sebastian earlier. Yeah. When we got to this. But he well, is a we talked about guy. him in story. Are you sure? Oh, no. <laughs> no, because he was one of the first characters that we talked about. Oh, you're right. Never Because mind. we were discussing whether he was just a conductor or, or an advisor. But we didn't really get to, like, how he pretty much became what that other guy was to Eric for Ariel. Yeah, because eventually he did grow to to change to eventually learn that he should help Ariel because she wasn't going to get be like getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. And he, he could see that Ariel was unhappy in her normal ways. Yeah. Because he said, you can just go back and be miserable for the rest of your life. And that is when he realized, all yeah, right, like, maybe. Never mind. We're going to try to be gross. And then he finally beats that chef at the end. That chef scene was one of my favorite scenes of the movie. Mm-hmm. It was hilarious. Which the chef was just very French. Yeah. It was very stereotypically French, French chef there. Yeah. French. That's basically all of his personality. He's a French <laughs> chef. I mean, he With was pretty, temper issues. pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then I think really all that's left is Flounder, but there's not really much character. We really to talk already about talked about Flounder. him, also. We did. And there's not much character to talk much. about for him. Uh, I guess let's continue on then to, to visuals. All right. Uh, uh, for visuals, I got an 80. I also have an 80 for visuals here. So, I mean, it looked good. Yeah, they did a lot of great job with the characters here. But honestly, if I knew about the bubbles, I would have already raised this. But I already have it set in stone. I'm going to keep it where it is. Because <laughs> they did put a lot of work into those bubbles. Yeah, that almost delayed the production because there was so much going on with them. And they actually had to outsource it. Mm-hmm. And there was delays with that as well. But they really focused on the characters here. And they did a lot of... There was a lot of detail that went into the characters and the character designs. Mm-hmm. And then they just kind of neglected the background a little bit. Yeah. It almost like, felt like they went back to an old Disney movie. Yeah. Like back to 101 Dalmatians time or. That was definitely the case here because that's what happened at the older movies as well. They focus mm-hmm. all their energy on the characters and then just leave any kind of background or any of that stuff was pretty basic. Although they did a great job with the the, sail, the ships mm-hmm. as well. Like they put a lot of detail into the, the ships. That was really good. And the sailing stuff. They did a great job with the animation of the water as well. When they had the water, like when the ship was getting stuck with the hurricane and stuff, mm-hmm. you can see the water coming on the decks and stuff. And they did a great, like, realistic kind of physics with the waves and how it was like sloshing around on the boat yeah. and stuff like that. But otherwise it was just kind of nothing too spectacular. No, there wasn't a lot that 
stood out in this movie. A lot of the stuff that Ursula did with her magic was great, though. Mm-hmm. All of her, like we had that color green again with her whenever, which is yes. associated with all the v- Disney villains. Then mm-hmm. she was like telling the story during Poor Unfortunate Souls, and you had to kind of hologram type mm-hmm. of the stuff that was, she was telling. And then you had those terrifying looking souls that she had captures. All those things were pretty ter- terrifying looking. Oh, yeah. Other than that, not too much. Again, even like the fireworks were such a basic animation, but they still made it yeah. nice. I mean, if you think about it, fireworks today like for us the cheaper ones are just kind of that basic yeah nothing too special going on there's like some color and Mm -hmm. it spreads out that's about it but i still feel like they did a great job with the coloring on them and they made it Mm -hmm. stand out a bit to to where it was as well though yeah uh Again, not too much to talk about here, so let's just keep things moving right along to atmosphere. The real standout part of the movie. Of course. I have a 91 for my atmosphere. And I have a 90. I'll be straight up honest. The majority of those points are just coming from the songs. That we of get. course. They're like very iconic songs. I mean, well, here we introduce Alan Menken to... To Disney, uh, Howard Ashman showed up for Oliver and Company to write one song, but now he's the the lyricist for everything, and Alan Menken, mm-hmm. the composer, who's just absolutely wonderful in everything that he does. Oh yeah, uh, these guys worked together on Little Shop of Horrors right before this. Yeah, which is another wonderful, which is song. another movie with amazing music and all that. Yes. Uh, anything that Alan Mangan touches just turns to gold. And Howard Ashman mm-hmm. as well. Unfortunately, he wasn't around for too long before he passed away in the yeah. Disney universe. But uh, um, you have so many great songs here. With this, you know, typically each movie has one or two, like, songs that everyone knows from the movie. Yeah. This one probably has like four, maybe even all of them are considered recognizable. Yeah, I mean, you have Under the Sea, which is probably one of the most recognizable Disney songs. One of the most recognizable anyone. princess songs, for sure. And then, of course, Under the Sea. Well, that's what I was saying, Under the Sea, not Part of Your World. <laughs> Did it? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said part of your world. No, I said under the sea, which is one that's of the my most bad. recognizable. <laughs> yes, that's one of the most recognizable. But part of your world's one of the most recognizable princess yes, songs. That's still honestly one of my favorite Disney songs mm-hmm. of all time. And it's such a good song. Oh, uh, one of my favorite is Kiss the Girl. That's such a good song as well. All that's the- amazing. <laughs> and it's crazy because Under the Sea was actually the song that won an Oscar for the, I think it was an Oscar or a Grammy for this movie mm-hmm. for a best song, best original song. When oh, I feel kiss the girl, it's funny because Under the Sea is an incredible song, but compared to the rest of the songs in this movie, I feel it's the weakest of them all. Yeah, just a little bit. 
That's not that's not even saying that it's a bad song, though. Oh, Do no. not get me wrong. It is an absolutely incredible song. And then but of, course, of the other songs here, I feel yeah. like any of those other ones could have won the Grammy instead. And then, of course, there's also Fathoms Below and Le Poissons, two that people don't like think of right away when you say Little Mermaid, but they'll eventually go, oh, yeah, and there were these two songs also. Uh, so they know them. Yeah, that song by the chef, it's basically just be our guest. Yeah. Like, did you notice that it, as well? It really is. It's it honestly a little bit like it. Pretty much exactly the same as be our guest, which is, I'm pretty sure from what I remember, that's where they, they drew the inspiration from for, for be our guest. That's well, well, that's something we need to talk about once we get to Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Um, and then one of my favorite villain songs of all time poor unfortunate souls another wonderful villain ballad here like the villains really get some of the best songs of they, they do once we'll they finally start getting their songs once we get more yeah, into they weren't, the 90s movies they weren't getting the songs back then but now we're finally getting our villain songs and they're incredible mm-hmm. uh I do wish they would have given more time to that song that Ursa was singing in the mirror. Oh, yeah. After, like, when Scuttle, was it, was it Scuttle? What's his name? Yeah, Scuttle. Yeah, Scuttle was spying on her and realized it was her. Was like, she was, oh, no. She was singing, it was kind of like a a different version of Four Unfortunate Souls. It was like the a second, half. second villain song in one movie, which uh, doesn't happen often. Was this? Also, the first time that we've had a reprise. I don't think we've had a, a reprise before. Well, yeah. Oliver and Company. Did they have a reprise? You know, why should I worry near but, the beginning of the movie? And then they closed it out. But, I mean, they just closed it out with the same well, yeah. exact song. Like, it wasn't a different... Like, it wasn't it was a, a continuation. I mean, it was for, a little For different. people that don't, don't know what a reprise is, it's where they have... You'll have like part of your world here is where they had Ariel singing part of your world. And then a reprise is when they come back to that same song, but either close it out or I change it a bit to add I mean, on to what they did, happened. They did kind of change it a bit in Oliver and Company by having the other dogs also singing it <laughs> in their own style. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I don't think I would but, call that a reprise. <laughs> but anyways like it adds it really does add so much to the mm-hmm. movie itself though when you have that when you come when you're able to come back to that constant theme of a song that you're and and keep working it in with what is happening and changing throughout the story yeah and then the voice acting was all right yeah uh, again nothing too stand like nothing incredible or stand like that stand out too much i mean Jodie Benson has an incredible singing voice. Of course. We can't, we can't take it away. And she still did a great job with Ariel as a character. But mm-hmm. compared to like some of the voice acting we've seen previously, it just didn't seem like it matched Especially up. Especially with that last movie, Oliver and Company. Yeah. I mean, even the same thing with the sound effects, too. The sound effects mm-hmm. were kind of just basic in this movie. They were, they were there. Just... They didn't. They didn't go too crazy with it. Imagine Orchestration, the sound effects as usual, throughout was... the entire movie of just bubbles popping kind of thing. Just... 
Then orchestrations were incredible, as usual. Oh, as always. But the real meat and potatoes of this atmosphere was just the songs that we were getting. Mm-hmm. And that really helped, honestly, improve this movie entirely. I do have two fun facts, both of them pertaining to Part of Your World. Okay. Part of Your World was actually almost cut from the movie. What? Uh, yeah. Jeff Katzenberg, the one of the higher-ups in the company, felt that it was boring and it was over the head of the, of the children that it was intended for. It even actually didn't really do great during a test screening that they had. They said that there were children restless during the song and like there was some kid that spilled his popcorn and was paying more attention to the popcorn than the actual song. This was before like the animations were complete during the sequence. So yeah. So once they've both the directors, John Musker and Ron Clemens, and also the lyricist Howard Ashman all pleaded and begged him to let the song stay. Eventually they they managed to convince him to keep it in. And he's really glad that he did bring it in because that's he he come to learn that that is one of the biggest standout songs of the movie. Oh yeah. Like it's the princess song. It is. It was a wonderful song, and I don't understand how uh-huh. it even had the chance of being cut in the first place. But I can't even imagine how this movie would have went without a song. I honestly feel like that would have just killed the whole movie <laughs> without. Oh the yeah, song big being time! In. Like that really gave Ariel that time of, "Hey, this is who I am. I'm sad because I want to be part of this. Yeah, I want to understand humans, kind of thing." Also, another fun fact I hear I have about part of your world. Uh, Alan Menken and Howard Ashman discovered that when they were at, after they were making the song, it shared both contextual and ry- rhythmic similarities between that and somewhere that's green from Little Shop from of Little Horrors. Shop of Horrors. I did kind of pick up on and that a little bit. They came up with a nickname and called it Somewhere That's Dry for that song (laughs) (laughs) and it's funny because like if you go on youtube you can find like some mashup videos of people like putting the songs together Mm -hmm. and you can definitely notice it and i'm like it's something that you don't you don't notice right away but like once you actually start to think about it i was like man it's been like that this whole time yeah i knew that they did a little shop of horrors so i kind of picked up on that a little bit Mm -hmm. but it is I loved it. They they gave it the nickname Somewhere That's Dry. That was hilarious to me. I guess let's move on to our entertainment score. Alright. Uh, for entertainment, I have an 88. I have an 86 here. Okay. Um, you know, I really enjoyed the movie. Yeah. It wasn't my favorite movie to watch out of all of them that we did. I, I can agree. It's not, it hasn't been my favorite, but it's still a great fun movie and it's a wonderful movie to watch i think honestly a lot for me it it has to do with the nostalgic factor of it Mm -hmm. and i did like take some of that out because i know that's not being fair to the score of the movie well for entertainment i feel like it's fair it it is but at the same time i'm trying to not give a biased answer here because 
when you're being critical about these movies, you have to take into this, take that kind of stuff into the, into like effect. Like mm-hmm. if I want to give my honest judgment and honest opinion about this movie to give the best ranking to people that have never seen the movie before, it kind of doesn't, it's not fair to keep that judgment in there. I feel. I guess. But at the same time, you know, with entertainment, it's a little more different in my opinion just because this is how this is just the score of how you feel about the movie yeah that's true but again watching it in a critical critical eye has also changed my it also changes the way yeah i can agree with that so it changes how you see the movie like i've noticed that it's a far weaker movie that like not calling it a weak movie at all as well but it's far weaker of a movie than like I already like I always thought it had been. And then coming after a movie that we were like extremely excited, like we didn't know how well Oliver and Company was going to do. Yeah, and we thought it was amazing. I think that might play into this as well. Honestly, mm-hmm. coming off of Oliver and Company, it's funny because we came in with such high acknowledgement of this movie. But we came out of a movie which we weren't expecting to give us that kind of experience. Yeah, so it's it's the expectations that's also adding into the score. Like, yeah, we expected Oliver and Company not necessarily to be bad, but more of we didn't know what to expect of it. Yeah. Whereas Little Mermaid, we were expecting a lot of scores in the '90s, maybe at least on my part. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, ooh, watching it critically now, I don't feel like I can give it these scores. Yeah, uh, this all this movie again. This will carry over into our overall score as well. But this is another. I said it last week, and I'm gonna say it here again. I've noticed that I've been scoring way too generously in all of my previous movies now. Mm-hmm. Now that I've won, because like I'm looking at my scores that I'm like trying to give Little Mermaid, and I'm like, if I bring that any lower, it's gonna make people like seem that I that I thought Little Mermaid was so much in a different category than those other movies as well that we've scored before. Which I think we'll eventually go back to those older movies and rescore them now that we're getting a hang of this. Yeah. At like the we're end, still working on it. <laughs> maybe. I thought about it. It's funny because like maybe we can rescore it, but at the same time, that just negates every single episode that we've made so far and like everything that we've said in our episodes. Yeah. So maybe we'll make like a separate ranking sheet, which was like our true rankings, and then what we've kept kept what we've kept on the podcast so far, so that like all new listeners aren't listening to our episodes, and then like, oh, none of this is exactly like is what they said. Yeah, but we'll eventually figure something out. Yeah, we'll work on that. Uh, I guess let's get into our overall score then all right uh i have an 83.2 for this overall i also have an 83.2 <laughs> another tie score which puts this as my number seven movie i believe this also puts this as my number seven movie <laughs> okay first we were matching number ones now we're suddenly matching number sevens we were also matching, I think it was number three. Number one three of our is other. also. Because it was like the past three movies that 
like have been matching somehow. Yeah. We're either like in position or in I score. think we're syncing up a little more. We're we're starting to get there. Which I feel like it's either gonna continue at this trend or it's just gonna completely barrel off course with the next full mo- movie though. Oh yeah. I'm gonna give the Lion King all zeros. No, I'm joking. Wow. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> How dare you? But again, you know, we were saying all we were saying a lot of bad things, but you know, there's still all those amazing things that we talked about too. Yes. By no means is this a bad amazing thing. things that we didn't talk about, like my favorite character of the whole movie, which we forgot to talk about, Max, the dog. Yeah. I mean, did he really do much besides look cute? Does he need to do anything else? No. He's he a cute dog. <laughs> That's all he needed to do. Oh, and he one should other have been thing. voiced by Patrick Stewart. <laughs> I mean, he could have. He could have, well, because I'm sure he can just do some barking on the side of Star, Star Trek for him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, fine. One other thing that I just thought about and I forgot to mention during our discussion was wouldn't you have think they noticed that Ariel was missing before they started that performance of the concert in the beginning? Yeah, like... How did no one know that she was gone until the point where she Terrible was... stage crew. <laughs> like, there's gotta be some people that were, like knew she like, had to be in position. There should have been an attendance check. Like, how did it get so far to the point where the performance was going until they realized, oh, she's not here? Like... <laughs> Oh no, that was just bad preparation. It was. As someone who has worked as a stagehand and work has done performances, even like exactly. that's common sense of making sure everyone's there before the performance. That's exactly Especially how <laughs> if they're the star of the performance. No one notices that the star is not ready. Like that should be first thing on your checklist. Like is, this is was going to be her first clam. concert. <laughs> kind of the main point that she's there. Yeah. Poor planning. Poor poor production. Poor stage management. But, I mean, still a good movie. Yes. That was just something stupid that I just had to bring up. And I was, I was like... Well, you're not can't. wrong, though. Because, <laughs> like, that would be like me coming to record this episode. And I don't, like, where's Charlie? Yeah, you started she... like, I'm Dominic. Charlie, where are you? Charlie? <laughs> yeah. But overall, still a wonderful movie. Still, 83 is still a wonderful score. Mm-hmm. It's far from a bad movie. And next week, we have The Rescuers Down Under. Our first sequel. Uh, one of our very few sequels that we're getting. At least we, for now. Yeah, I've made the deal, like, we're only including sequels that got a theatrical release and Rescuers Down Under was the first and mm-hmm. there's not going to be another one, I believe, until, until Frozen 2, I believe. Record, I don't know if Wreck-It Ralph 2 became, came out before Frozen 2. Oh, that's also No, I, I'm pretty sure it's Frozen 2. One of those two movies, though, for yeah. sure. Those are the only other few sequels that actually we have coming up, too, though. Because there's, there's this, there's Frozen 2, and Wreck-It Ralph 2. And then eventually and on, then, like, the third strain or something that we're doing. 
third wave. Oh yeah, all the we'll get direct, the straight to DVD, straight to DVD and VHS and home release. That which for some reason every time I lately every time I've been talking to my friends about this podcast, they'd go, "Oh, are you going to talk about like the sequels, like Cinderella three or <laughs> Little Mermaid 2? Unfortunately, we will get there eventually. I'm not looking forward to that. Actually, because... they've been hyping those movies up for me, so. Uh, maybe i haven't seen mo i haven't seen many of the sequels if it wasn't good enough for a theatrical release there's a good reason that i want to know why we're not talking about it right now (laughs) yeah but again we weren't expecting some of the movies before this to be as good as we thought they were but yeah next week we we have rescuers down under which breaks up the the renaissance era and then from on on out we have a solid string of at least nine to ten good movies. In a well, row. I mean, the rest of your sound under is probably going to be a good movie. I, I mean, mean, I did, I did watch it already, and I can tell you, I enjoyed it. So, <laughs> the rest of down under featuring the three capybaras. <laughs> Spoiler alert! I I did enjoy rescuers down <laughs> under, but what I was trying to say is that we know for a fact that all of the movies in the nineties were incredible. Mm-hmm. So. We have a, a fun string of episodes coming up ahead. And so lots be... of excitement for those. Yes. So keep in touch with us. Continue to, if you haven't followed our Facebook page, go do so. And give us a rating on iTunes if you can. We try and we need to get a little bit more publicity. Yeah, we're, like we're follow kinda... us on Spotify. Yeah. Share, like, share the show with your friends. Share, like the episodes. We're, Let we're us know a bit if of a you actually enjoy it. Right now on new, new, new listeners and stuff. So we're trying to expand a little bit more. So please, if you can, help us grow. We would really appreciate it. And we appreciate all, the, all of you that are sticking around and st- listening with us. So until next time, may all your dreams come true. Bye.